Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hey Ruth. Hi. What are you thankful for? Oh, Jesus dying for my sins. Awesome. I'm thankful for my brother and my family. I would say I'm thankful for my family. I'm super thankful for all the kids here. Um, my family and the opportunity that I have to work with my dad. I am thankful for the provisions that God has provided me in my finances. Pizza. Thankful for oxygen. Yo doy gracias a Dios por mi familia, porque tenemos a Dios en nuestro corazón. I'm thankful for music. Hey, Will. What are you thankful for? My cats, my dogs, my chickens, my cactus, and this guitar. Oh! I am thankful for family, my church, and God's love and mercy. Uh, I'm thankful for my family. Awesome. I'm thankful for my family. Hey, Jason. What are you thankful for that has not happened yet? Thankful for that has not happened yet. Um, well, good morning. That was fun to see some familiar faces, people saying what they're thankful for. I mean, it's fitting, right? It's Thanksgiving week. Right? So uh, how many of you had to go around the table and say what you're thankful for? It's kind of a tradition. And so the people that I asked last Sunday, hey, what are you thankful for? They, it was pretty easy for them to think of some answers right off the bat. All right, I'm thankful for family. I'm thankful for, you know, Jesus saving me from my sins, um, for music, for pizza, oxygen, and that one crazy guy for his cactus and his dogs and his cats, you know, you know, fun stuff. It, it, good, you know, and there are other things people are thankful for, and, and it's neat. Like, we can, it's not too hard, I guess, what I'm trying to say, to, to think about what we're thankful for at a moment, right? But that last question that I asked Jason, and this is not at all too make make it sound like he didn't know what to say. We paused it there just for an effect. Jason actually went on to give a textbook answer that you'd find like from a professor at some crazy Bible seminary, because that's Jason. <laughs> Jason's my sound guy this morning. He's a great guy. But I told him, I was like, Jason, I couldn't play it because it would, I wouldn't even need to preach the message, right? <laughs> so, but the point is there as smart and wise as Jason is, he still, that question, it made him stop and think a little bit. Wait a minute. Okay. Um, well, okay. So that question this morning is what we're going to be talking about today. When we're asked to list off things we're thankful for that we don't even have yet, it's just kind of a tricky thing. So we're going to look into that. So today we're talking about a Bible character that's not terribly common. I can almost guarantee that you have not uh, shared this story around the Thanksgiving dinner table as a segue into Turkey and stuff like that, right? 
Uh, I, I have read the story in the past. I've read through the Bible several times, but I've never really known the story like this as I was preparing for the message. So we're talking about a guy by the name of Jehoshaphat. Has anyone ever heard that guy's name before? Jehoshaphat, right? Probably not pronouncing it quite right, but I like to say Jehoshaphat. Anyway, the story is found in Second Chronicles in the Old Testament, and uh, it's, it's a unique story. It's fun, but what, what happens in this story is we're going to discuss that question. What are you thankful for that you don't have just yet? And so there, it's quite a story. For the sake of context, I'm going to bring you up to speed on what's happening at this moment and spare you as to read just to spare you some all the details i'm going to just bring you up to speed so this is after the time of king solomon king solomon was a good king great king wise king and of israel and he died and so after king solomon died israel and judah went through a really dark time right it was rough times were hard and during this time wicked king ahab was reigning you might have heard of king ahab here and there with Bible stories. Well, he was a really bad king, really wicked. And so it was really, really dark times for Israel and Judah. And sometime after that, good King Jehoshaphat, yes, he was a good guy. He wasn't perfect by all means, but he was a man that pleased God, the Bible says. He was a man after God's heart. He was a good king. He he became king of Judah and reigned in Jerusalem when he was about 35 years old. So just a little bit younger than me, just to date myself a little bit. He was known for, he brought the kingdom of Judah back to God, right? He, he tore down the idols and things like that. And one of the main things he did is he set up a godly legal structure throughout the kingdom. It was awesome. Like he was doing some really cool stuff. Then one day, really, really bad news came to Jehoshaphat. A messenger, I don't know who it was, they came and they said, King Jehoshaphat, all of our neighbors, you know, three of them at least, are coming and they're going to kill us. Not just people, kingdoms. Like these are kingdoms, these are surrounding territories. They're all coming and they're going to wipe us off the face of the earth. That's some interesting news, right? I don't know what I would do. I think I would probably run, all right? So what happened then is what we're going to discuss here in the, in the story. So the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some Maonites were all coming to destroy the kingdom of Jerusalem, of Judah. Jehoshaphat, what he did is he went straight to God and he said, I'm going to fast. And he got his kingdom of Judah and he said, let's all fast. Let's pray. Let's go to God with this. Okay, guys, because this is serious because we don't want to die. So here's where we're going to take up or pick up into the story. It's in Second Chronicles 20. Verses 12 through 25, if you want to follow along in your Bibles, it will be up on the screen behind me as well. So I'm going to jump in. Here's what Jehoshaphat had to say. He's praying. He says, Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of this and son of that. But he was a Levite and descendant of Asaph. As he stood in the assembly, he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, 
This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, your, pos, your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Let's pause just a little bit. Okay, so they got bad news, right? Here come the, the enemies. They're going to kill them. And so what they did is they, they're fasting, they're praying, they're asking God for, for deliverance, for help. And a prophet pops up and says, uh, I'm prophesying here. I got a word from the Lord. The word from the Lord is we're going to be okay. And you don't even have to fight this battle. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good news. So that's what all has just happened right there. And just after hearing the good news, Jehoshaphat does this. Verse 18, he says, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. Then some Levites and the Kohathites and Korahites, these are the goodites, all right? Not like the other badites. Stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert I'm sorry, early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Now pay attention here, this is what happens. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them, and after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. That was convenient. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. Isn't that crazy? So here come, here come the exterminators. They're going to literally wipe them off the face of the earth. And they go to God. They didn't even have to lift a finger. How cool is that, right? I just envision, <laughs> I have to think about things a little bit. Okay, so it's just some multitudes that just literally killed themselves. <laughs> I envision angels going over and they're watching these guys and they throw a rock at the back of the guy's head. And he turns around and he thinks it's this guy, so he starts attacking him. And they all kill each other. And the angels are giggling. But, sorry, but that's, but that's, might have been what happened. We don't know. But what happened was God took care of them and they were fine. Okay? The people of Judah, they did all they could do. They went to God and asked for help. And then they did more. Not only did they ask for help, 
But they gave thanks and they praised God for his goodness to them before they even had what was promised to them. Isn't that cool? That takes, that takes a lot of trust, a lot of faith. They gave thanks for something they didn't have yet. Okay? So the title of today's teaching is Gratitude, Choosing Thankfulness in Thankless Times. All right, so yes, we're in 2020. It might not make a ton of sense right now as you're thinking about what all that's happening right now of uh, just jumping up and down and being thankful and grateful and praising God for, for everything. But, but is it? <laughs> is it really that way? So that's why we're looking at this today. So what, what are you thankful for? It's like I asked Jason in that, in that video. What are you thankful for that hasn't happened yet? Yeah, so being thankful before it makes sense to be thankful. That's kind of a big deal. It seems kind of weird, but there's a lot of weight to it. Before we really get into the message, though, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. God, I thank you that you are in control. I thank you that we can trust you no matter what's going on in our lives. Thank you for the promises that you've given us. Thank you for the beautiful day outside. Thank you for each person in this room and in the other room, the beacon. God, I, I praise you for your goodness. God, I ask that you would make these words yours and not mine, that it would be clear what you want us to hear today. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, so if you have a handout and you want to follow along with some writing, some notes down, I have a few points we're going to go over today. The first point is we can be thankful before it makes sense because God's covenants are correct. God's covenants are correct. So what's a covenant? Oh, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines covenant as a noun, a usually formal, solemn, and binding agreement. Is a written agreement or promise usually under seal between two or more parties, especially for the, for the performance of some action. So God's covenants are correct. His promises are true, okay? And that's just really all that matters. And, and I can guarantee you that. They are true. They are correct. So back to the story of good old jumping Jehoshaphat. He was told of literally end-of-the-world news, right? The sky was falling. And where did he put his focus? In verse 18, he says, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. All right, so they, they knew that they, there was nothing that they could do. They had no idea what to do. They even said, we don't, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. They went to God, right? They turned to God for help. And continuing in verse 20, he says, Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord. For his love endures forever. So I admit, if, 
I was in that group of people on that day when that is all going on. I don't know that my I would have been that able to say, okay, sure, I'm going to start giving thanks, knowing that our neighbors are going to come and kill us. Like, why, why are we doing this? <laughs> I might be saying, you're going that way, saying thank you. I'm going this way and running for my life. I, I don't know what I would have done. I'm not in that situation. But I have to think, just being brutally honest, that I think that had been really tough for me. But the thing is, Jehoshaphat trusted God. That's the main thing, folks. And he had a reason to. Because our point is God's covenants are correct. That's why. Because Jehoshaphat knew the covenants of God. Okay? I can just imagine him as a little kid being told stories by his parents. Like, hey, this is what happened. Your ancestors did this and this. And, and then God pulled through for him. And he really did. And he knew that stuff. He's like, yeah. And so when it came time, it's game time, okay? He knew that he could trust God. He knew that that word from, from God to the prophet was true. And he could, take tr he could trust in that. There's a scripture, Deuteronomy 31.6 in particular, was when Moses was speaking to the Israelites. Moses led the Israelites out of, out of Egypt delivered them, and at this point in their lives, he was walking away, and he was going to leave them, so that was scary. Plus, they were facing some giants in this promised land of theirs, and these, these people, they, they thought were going to just kill them. They can't, there's no way that they can handle it, and this is what God told Moses to tell them. In Deuteronomy 31, 6, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So there, that is a truth and a covenant that Jehoshaphat can rely on. And he goes back to that and knows, okay, God pulls through for them. Of course he's going to pull through for us. Why wouldn't he? So that, the strength of that truth is huge. And that's what he banked on. All right, so let me give you an example in my life. So, something really small. But so my dad is a man of few words, right? And um, I'd know though that what my dad says he means. Okay, so I remember times where I would ask him, "Hey, Dad, I'd like to go to my friend's house overnight this on Friday." It was the beginning of the week. Can I go on Friday? If I would get that signature, well, I suppose I would. I could rejoice in those words because I knew that what my dad just told me, I could, I could trust that, okay? And the rejoicing started right then. I was excited. Sweet, thank you. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. And my, my week just got so much better. And I didn't even do what I, what the fun, I didn't even get to partake in the fun stuff yet on Friday, right? Okay. Now, how many of you have that kind of reaction? Like if you, let's say, you book a, a tropical vacation, maybe 2020 aside, before 2020, and you book something, and you're going to go somewhere tropical, right? And you know you're going to do it on a certain date. And it might be months down the road. You might be filled with that euphoric, oh, we're going to do it. We're going we're gonna to take the plunge, and we're going to go to Disney World, wherever you want to go. I don't see that as too, too tropical, but... 
Anyway, but something fun, you can start rejoicing then, right? And know, just in knowing that it's going to happen, right? You can have that excitement and reaction then, and you don't have to just wait till the day you get to go. And that's what I'm trying to say is Jehoshaphat's reaction there, right? And I, I think that might even be really actually where the phrase jump and Jehoshaphat came from, right? So Jehoshaphat is, is uh, he's, he's crying out to God, God, what's going on? What's going on? And he gets this word. And all of a sudden, he is <laughs> on cloud nine, maybe above cloud nine. And maybe he even jumped for Jesus and said, okay, I'm excited. We're going to take pleasure in that. Okay? But really, though, kidding aside, Jehoshaphat rejoiced in the promise rather than the actual gift. That's where their gratitude, their main thankfulness came from, folks. He rejoiced in the promise rather than the actual gift. All that thankfulness that they were doing, they're singing, they're praising, he's commanding them, we're going to sing, we're going to praise, that happened before they were delivered. So you might be thinking to yourselves right now, okay, yeah, dude, you don't know what I'm going through. <laughs> this is 2020. <sighs> yeah, I don't know what you're all going through. But I do know it's been a crazy year. I do know. And it's hard to be thankful for what's in store for us. It might be hard to be even thinking, what is in store for us, right? But there's, there's validity to that, folks. I mean, I am so tired of this virus. It just needs to go away. We don't even know who our president of the United States is, all right? Like, what in the world is going on, folks? <laughs> but God knows. God doesn't, he, he's not saying, oh, man, I forgot to let them know. I forgot to plan ahead because I forgot 2020 was on my calendar. Like, we know that. Ha, ha, he, he. But no, that's the real, that's the truth. God knows that this is happening, okay? He's got everything under control. We can be thankful for his promises. His covenants are correct. So, what are his promises? What are his covenants? Let's talk about them. I looked a little bit into the Bible and found some main promises that God gives us. And we're going to go through them right now. I picked seven. And let's just read through these. They're going to be up on the screen. You can follow along with writing in these as well. Number one, God loves me. Isn't that awesome? Amen? God loves me. 1 John 4, 9 through 10 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amen. Thank you, God. All right, that's number one. Number two. Nothing can separate me from God's love. Nothing can separate me from God's love. Romans 8, 38 through 39. I love these verses. <laughs> I can just hear 
the preacher in him. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay? That's convincing. Promise number three. He will never leave me. He will never leave us. Okay? That's awesome. Deuteronomy 31.6. Remember Moses, what he said? Here it is again. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's never going to leave us. Number four. I have an eternal home in heaven. Hallelujah. Glory be. <laughs> oh. Yesterday I went to the store and I'm driving around and I'm hitting potholes and my back hurts and people are glum and I don't even know if they are glum because I can't see their faces. It's like, I am so looking forward to heaven. <laughs> you know, we have an eternal home in heaven, okay? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's truth. Number five, I am not a mistake. Take that one to the bank. You're not a mistake. Okay? Psalm 139, 13 and 14, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> and vision, knitting. Knitting is not an accident, right? Like, that's tedious work, and that's perfect. Like, that goes together so tediously. That's how God put us together. It wasn't just, oh, you know, that'll do. You know, <laughs> it, we're, we're not a mistake. Promise number six, God will reward my perseverance. He will reward my perseverance. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't give up, guys. And number seven, last but not least, God wants me to prosper. He really, really does. He wants me to prosper. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. All right. So those are covenants. Those are promises that you can take to the bank. Yes, you can. We can count on those. We can't count on much, especially today in 2020, but we can count on this. And that's what we, are, we can be thankful for. And that is what Jehoshaphat and his folks were praising God for, okay? You might not have seen all of these. There have been some of these promises that you might be thinking, yeah, I haven't seen that just yet. Hang in there, okay? God's got this. So what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to do something a little goofy. I want all these promises to be back up on the screen. And we're going to stand all together. And we're going to take a minute. And we're going to rejoice. And we're going to give God praise 
for these promises in our lives, okay? So I'm going to ask everyone, if you can, to stand with me or just you know, take a quick minute, get some air. It's the seventh inning stretch. We're almost there. Hang in there, okay? All right. So, all right. Amen. God loves me. Clap with me. Isn't that awesome? Woo! Shout these out. Nothing can separate me from God's love. Thank you. He will never leave me. Never. Never leave me. I have an eternal home in heaven. Isn't that awesome? I'm not a mistake. I'm not. You aren't either. God will reward my perseverance. He will. I promise. God wants me to prosper. All right? Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Your hands warm? Okay, thank you. That was fun. All right, now you can sit down. Appreciate that. That was fun. Thank you for entertaining me. That was good. That was a lot of clapping. But that's the truth, though. We can be thankful. We can, be, we can take pleasure and praise God in those covenants, right? We can. So that's point number one. We can be thankful before it makes sense because God's covenants are correct. And now point number two, we can be thankful before it makes sense because God owns the situation. He owns it. He owns the situation. Verse 22 says, As they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. <laughs> it was nothing that, that they physically did. They just praised God and thanked him. And God said, done. God owned it, right? Nothing else could have fixed the situation, but God, God owned it for them. It had to be difficult for them to trust God. I think I, I said of this a little bit earlier, but I'm not saying that that's easy, okay? It's, it's hard to give thanks in hard times. It's hard to give thanks when you don't see the outcome just yet. Okay? Why can't I just trust? Why can't I just trust God's promises and trust that he's got it, though? Why do I keep faltering and forgetting those covenants, those promises that God's got this under control? Why do I do that? God's got this, okay? I've heard that a lot this year, and I think we need to hear it again this morning. God's got this. He really does. He really does. He's not surprised at what's going on. But that's just it. It's faith, okay? And that's kind of why I didn't share Jason's answer, partly because Jason said it. It's faith. It's a faith thing. Again, in his textbook answer, he explained that to be thankful for something that hasn't happened yet, it's all about faith. It's faith in having God. I'm not going into faith too much, as you saw in our, uh, for our message series this next uh, Sunday, starting this next Sunday. It's faith, hope, and love. Is that what it is? Clint's going to be talking about faith, and it's going to be awesome. So he's going to go more deep, deeper, deeper into faith. So come on back. It's going to be great. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. All right, so there's a photo that I have here. 
kind of going along. I didn't know Clint was going to share that um, the video of the flooding over in Sudan, but this guy, his name is Jose Fernandez. I don't personally know Jose, but I have good friends who are very close with him. He actually um, took care of the burial of a very good friend of mine who died in Honduras. Jose is a pastor down in Honduras. Right now, Central America is dealing with a lot of disaster or flooding and stuff right now, too, because you might have heard of all the 9,000 hurricanes that we had this year in 2020. Um, Honduras and Nicaragua actually received huge blows from that. So this is, this is from the damage of the first one that they had several weeks back. Hurricane, I don't even know how they've been pronouncing it. Is it Eta or Eta? Eta? I think we all just lost track of which hurricane is what. But this pastor and his church, they don't have much. Well, now they have nothing. They literally lost everything that they owned. And he's sta- that's a second-story building that he's standing on right there. And those things over there, those are roofs of people's houses. Those aren't just like ground pads or something. And he's just surveying the damage and trusting God. There were videos, nothing was that great that I could really share that was that we could put up there. But I found a video of Jose and his church. And they were holding a worship session up in the second story of a community school. And they had to be up in the second story because everything else was underwater. And they were just praising God, thanking God for his goodness to them in the middle of that. And I, I just find that just, that's awesome. And it's mind-boggling, too, to think, wow, they, even during losing everything, they're still glorifying God. And they kind of went around and they asked some people, okay, what are, you, what are you thankful for? And one of the ladies, she just said, I'm just so thankful that God is in control. And yet we lost, we don't have anything anymore, but God's got this. And now people are turning to God more than ever. And I was like, man, that's awesome. What kind of faith, that's really cool. And they're praising Jesus before they even know what's really gonna happen. They just are trusting that God's got this. That's all they can do. It doesn't make sense to praise God that way. Not, not human sense, anyway. All right, you can take that photo down. But, so during my message prep for this, this weekend, I kept thinking of the, of the good old hymn, Count Your Blessings. Has anyone ever heard of that hymn before? All right, I grew up Mennonite, and we, we sang lots of hymns, all right? So this hymn, Count Your Blessings, was written by a man named of Johnson Oatman Jr. back in 1897. He was basically the, the Chris Tomlin of his day. He wrote thousands of hymns. But, so we're, we're just going to put the words on the screen. Here they are. So, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed. I was thinking about that this morning. What does that even mean? When upon life's billows you are tempted. I just know that it means it's when things are bad, all right? (laughs) Why couldn't he just say that? When things are bad. Oh, things were different back then, right? When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. So, if you'd sing the chorus with me, I think some of us can sing that chorus. 
Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. This is like a Mennonite church, Clint. <laughs> We know that song. That's a great one. You guys have great voices. Fantastic, beautiful. But there's power in reflecting and being thankful, even when it doesn't make sense to be thankful. Okay? Admitting that, hey, God, you know, I don't have anything. There's nothing that I can personally, physically do right now. But I'm thanking you. I'm praising you because you got this. Because that's all I know how to do right now. And that's what Jehoshaphat was doing. <laughs> like, God, everyone's coming to kill me. I'm, I'm trying to do things right here. But I'm going to praise you anyway. And God took care of him. So, where are you at? Are you discouraged? Are you upon life's billows <laughs> being tempest-tossed? Are you losing hope? Are you stressed out? I've heard that phrase. I'm stressed. I'm stressed out. A lot is here. Well, that hymn is a is a pretty good prescription for discouragedness. There's also a couple of verses that are that Paul wrote in the Bible that are great prescription for discouragedness as well. It's First Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen. He says this: Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. <laughs> I, I get a little annoyed when I get a little bit of water in my basement when it rains. <laughs> I don't lose everything. Now, people like that, they're thanking God. They're praising God. They know that God's got this. And he really, really does. He really does, guys. And that's a lot to be thankful for, Okay. All right, so that's point number two. We can be thankful when it doesn't make sense because God owns the situation. God's got this. All right, at this time, I'm going to turn it over to Matt in the Beacon for ministry time and Clint here for closing. Thanks, Lyndon. I love the statement he had, Jehoshaphat rejoiced in the promise rather than the actual gift. You know, it's kind of faith where you can rejoice in the promise rather than the actual gift. So for today, I wanted to uh, just declare a promise for some of you. Some of you today, you're, you're facing some battles, you're facing some difficult situations. And it's like, what? God, I, I don't know what to do. And I'm not hearing the promise. But uh, I think the promise came from this prophet from 3,000 years ago. He said it to Jehoshaphat, but I believe he wants to say it to some of us today. The 
This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army or because of the battle you're in. For the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours. <laughs> it's God's. Right? It's not yours. It's God's. And then in verse 17, it says, you will not have to fight this battle. So for some of us today, you've taken on this battle as your own. You forgot that we have a mighty God that we serve. And there can't be two owners to your battle. It's either going to be you or it's going to be God. Right? He's not going to take it from you. But boy, will he take it if you give it to him. He will receive it. So here's the deal. We have an opportunity today to give God back his battle. Right? And then we can rejoice at what he is going to do with our battle which is now his battle. But it's a step of faith. It's, it's really an act of obedience to him. And so I'm just going to invite you, if you have a battle today that you've been fighting, that you've been owning, and you're just tired of it, and you're ready to give it back to God, I want to encourage you to come on up here. And the way we do it here at Lighthouse is you just come on up, stand in the front, and then we're going to pray for you. But most of the work of God happens with that first step. When you take that step of obedience and say, okay, God, I'm going to give you this battle by standing up and coming forward. Man, God sees that. And there is power in that. So let's all stand. Is there anyone where you know you need to give a battle to God? Come on up here right now. And yes, you can run. It's all good. Let me just say this to you all as you stand here. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this battle in front of you. For the battle is not yours. The battle is not yours. But God's. It's God's. And he will fight your battle. He will fight your battle. And you do not have to worry. You do not have to be discouraged. He's got it. He's got it. But you got to let go of it. You got to let go of it. Hand it to him. And so we need to rejoice, all right? We need to rejoice for God taking on our battle, for him winning the war. The one we've been fighting, we need to rejoice today.
for what we don't we do not have yet. We haven't seen it yet. But he wants us to rejoice today in advance, okay? And I know we're over in time. But if you guys would bear with me, Will, you got a mic? Um, I just want to sing the chorus. This is how we fight my battles. Can we do that? Can you do that on keys? I'm not sure yet. We'll figure it out. I think Will can get there. Because this song, it talks about this is how I fight my battles, and it's about praising God and rejoicing. It's not about taking on the battle. It's about praising the one who is fighting our battles for us. So we're just going to sing this chorus, I think, and uh, worship him. And I don't know, Skip, if you can find the song, but it's just the lyrics are pretty straightforward. All right. I'm now looking it up. <laughs> Esther, do we need you on keys? You got it? <laughs> do you know it on keys? Yeah. All right. Esther's going to do keys. We'll just grab the mic. All right. Um, Skip, can you find the lyrics? All right. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how, this is how I find my battles, this is how I find my battles, this is how I find my battles, this is how, this is how I find my battles, this is how I find my battles, this is how I find my battles. This is how we believe, cause this is how we find our battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how one more time. This is how we fight our battles. Say we. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we find our battles. This is how. Let's just do that. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. We trust God that we are surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I find my battles. I will find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. This is how. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. 
This is how I find my battles. This is how. So God, we just declare that there are times it doesn't make sense to us. 2020 does not make sense to us. But it's not our battle, God. This battle is yours. And God, you got this. You got this. Everything that we have faced this year, everything we're facing today, everything we're going to face tomorrow, God, you got this. And so we take it off of our shoulders and we lay it down before you, God. And we ask you to take our battles, to fight on our behalf, to win the victory, God, because you have never lost a battle and you never will. God, we thank you for loving us, for being kind to us, for adopting us into your family, and for fighting for us. So we praise you in advance for what you're going to do. <laughs> we rejoice. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being here today. God is good. Stand in that. He's got this. He's got this. Into 2021 as well. So have a great day. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.